Thank you guys for tuning in to another Broken English podcast. I am your host, Bola Amadara, with my co-host, Hugo Lani. And today we're talking about a couple of topics, and one of them being one of them being controversial. We'll start off with the bat. Uh, off the bat, is this whole climate when it comes to you know race and and racism and all of that in the film and television world and media in general, I guess. Now we were talking about that in the last. We talked about this briefly in the last podcast. Uh, but we only just touched on it briefly because there was just, especially mainly because there was a lot for me to digest at that point. And to be honest with you, I don't think I've digested enough of this, but I'll chime in on this later and uh, tweet my apologies later. Um, it's just because to me, I've been trying to avoid a lot of the, a lot of media or just reduce my intake when it comes to just news and the information streaming because it's just too much. Mm-hmm. And it, there's a lot of propaganda, and there's just a lot of opinions, and not enough honesty. It's just, it's kind of like a mess right now. It's so. I wouldn't say I have hardcore opinions about all of this because it's just interesting to watch it. Because some of these things that have come up, I don't even know where to begin. Um, just yesterday, um. I'm hearing rumblings about Gone with the Wind. And this is a perfect example. Like, I mean, what do you do, right? What do you do? Because you watch that film now. And yeah, there's a lot of... <laughs> there's a lot to say about something like that, right? Uh, for me, it's like you just... I, I just... Like I said, this is just mainstream stuff. So I haven't fleshed this all out. One of the first That's things that... Like. Come, what was that? So that's what we like. Well, yeah, it's just, we don't want it to be too rehearsed. No, it's just no. I don't. Yeah, true. I don't like overhearing her stuff, so I'm just gonna speak from the mainstream. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind when it comes to things like this, where films are being talked about being taken down or whatever, uh, you, have, you just have to understand these these things were made in certain times where people just didn't know any better, and. They, these films can't speak for themselves at this moment. They can only speak for themselves at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what is gonna, what good it is gonna come from making these films disappear. I just don't really see what exactly is gonna that's gonna achieve. They're there. Uh, it's been a while since I even watched Gone with the Wind. I mean, that movie was like, what, five hours long or something like that? And I don't think I was the biggest fan of it. Um, But I do recognize it was a revolutionary film at that time. Um, It was the first time even, I think, uh, African-American won an Oscar. But it's kind of funny when you, when you reading, just reading, in, uh, just reading about that and just knowing about that film. I mean, she won an Oscar, but even at the Oscar, she had to sit at a separate table from away from all from uh, from the other white actors, which is just kind of interesting and telling at that about that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, there's just there's a lot going on here, and I can't really say definitively anything. Well, I think um, John Stewart put it really well because he's promoting a new film that he directed. And with regards to Gone with the Wind, he puts it very, very well. He was saying, so they're going to take a film which was made many, many years ago that nobody cares about right now, that nobody's bothered about watching. And their stance is, you know, we're going to take this film and we're going to hide it away a second. No one was looking for the film anyway at the moment. Yes, it has um, horrible stereotypes, but you're kind of missing the point. And this is what we got into a bit the other day when we were talking about this. There's the idea of art and art in its time, which we also alluded to on the previous podcast where we were speaking about when a film comes out, the cultural climate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That is not to say that the way black people were portrayed in the film wasn't controversial, but pieces of art, should be left as is because as soon as you remove them you start getting them 
infamy. You start getting them a wider audience. You start getting them all these other things and you really change nothing. Changing a piece of art that's already come out is nonsensical to me. Like them banning uh, Little Britain and then doing other things which do have controversial things within them. I'm not familiar with Little, Little Britain. What's that about? Little Britain was an early 2000s sketch comedy and within it there was a blackface sketch right which was meant to poke fun obviously at one portion of society but there were also other sketches which poked fun at other portions of society because the show itself was just teasing britain <laughs> right, it okay. was teasing the people within that and of course there was the idea that to portray black people they put on blackface to portray women they put on fake breasts made their um hair longer and their bodies and changed their voice etc it was a sketch show yeah. which in and of itself is an entirely different entity but when you get into banning things mm-hmm. you don't help further the cause you don't help solidify things it's completely different when you talk about taking down a statue of a slave trader yeah. versus you talking about a movie or a TV show which was out of touch and is irrelevant and was produced many years ago. You know, these aren't the same thing. This is the thing. The thing that, is, that will always keep coming up for me uh, for these things is context, right? Yes. That's, just, this, that's all I'm interested in when these things come up. What is the context of blackface or what is what's, what is the context of it? Because, yeah, there are some things that are, it sounds like there will be some cringy elements to this whole, what's it called? It's called, uh, this is Little... Little, little Britain. Little, little Britain, right? If, if there was no, con- if the context was just done in a way where it's cringy, I understand that. But there are some contexts, but like I said, it's it boils down to me in context. Are, is it self-aware or not? Something like that, I can understand. It sounds like it could it could rub people the wrong way, and it might be cringy. But when I watch something like Tropic Thunder, for example, mm-hmm. I don't. I can. I think I can speak for most black people. I don't think anybody was offended by that because Tropic Thunder knew what it was doing. That was the whole premise of the whole thing, right? Right. It was supposed to be making fun of that, right? It's self aware that it knows what it's doing, right? So when it comes to this, right, context is key. So, for example, Tropic Thunder is a prime example of this. I still think that whole thing was hilarious because mm-hmm. it was self-aware. It was poking fun of that whole thing, right? That whole world, that whole active. It wasn't blackface done where they didn't. They were ignorant of the the what ignorant of the whole uh connotation of it right they weren't just doing it they weren't just putting a a white actor trying to make him play a black person right it was making fun of that part so this is it's a perfect example of context what's the context of it so something like that doesn't offend me and i think it's funny but some but i understand there's could be other situations where it's like there's just no self-awareness there's no and and there's the there's no self-awareness in it and it just comes off cringy. Mm -hmm. I mean, my argument is that uh, it kind of falls underneath the whole stand-up comedian thing and the right to mock and offend everything and not ban everything. Um, Of course, there is racial sensitivity, quite rightly. But muddling art and muddling real change and the structure in the world does not serve the purpose. The purpose is to simply have everyone treated equally. And if we have everyone treated equally, then you should be mocked and you should be mocked or neither one of you should. We have to go under a consistency banner. Exactly. I don't know what the magic formula is because for me, it's like when I see it, I just know when these things are bad. When I see it, I just feel it, right? Like for example, right. I'll show another example that I I don't know if you, you remember. Do you remember when Jimmy Kimball Jimmy Kimball had a show and he would do Carl Malone? And I've heard of, never seen, not a I, big fan. I remember that, um, but it wasn't. Now the thing is, it was a full makeup prosthetic, right? It wasn't just somebody slapping, you know, dark 
dark makeup on them and it's sloppy looking or that mm-hmm. kind of thing. It was like a full prosthetic makeup where like, you know, they went, it's the whole shebang, right? So it wasn't some sloppy put together thing, right? To me, it was just, uh, I don't like it. To me, I just see, I just saw a, a white actor or comedian trying to do somebody who happened to be black and he was just dressed up like that. To me, it didn't, it didn't, it just didn't raise any alarms in me because it was done in a tasteful way i would say where if it was like him just some half had because we just know the history of blackface so this is why and i understand the sensitivity to it because right it yeah no of course somewhere right yep Do, have you seen have you seen uh spike lee's uh bamboozled because i know about, of the film i've never seen it it's about this and it's i think anybody who's watching this right listening to this or watching this right now watch that film it's one of his best movies, and it's just about this. Yeah. And I think it, it just, it, it's, it, to me, it, it, if you want to know the history of this stuff and want to see a perspective about it. Does it cover like the minstrel show and things yeah, like that? it's about the minstrel okay. shows. And it's like, it's basically the premise is, it's like the minstrel show comes back. Okay. And it's a modern minstrel show. And it gives you the whole history of, you know, blackface and the whole minstrel show. And because some people might be listening to this and especially those are those who are younger and they don't really know the history of all that, of black mm-hmm. race, right? And, and, and minstrel shows. So mm-hmm. they might not be aware of, they might not truly be aware of what the controversy is all is ultimately about. So right after you get off of Wikipedia, I recommend you watch bamboozled because it's a great film especially it's a great film in itself and it's and it's a great film for this topic because it gets to the heart of it and it's a perfect it's a perfect film about blackface and minstrel shows i mean my view is the retroactively tackling art is not the way forwards i think the correct way to deal with any of these things because, of course, 30 Rock as well. 30 Rock retired like six episodes worth of the show because of the same thing. I don't never watch I, those episodes. I don't even know what the context of it was. I've probably watched them, but I don't remember them. Because I, I think I've seen all of 30 Rock, but they wouldn't have stood out to me because I don't remember them. Um, but the point that I'm trying to make is I don't think it's helpful to eradicate art in that manner. I yeah. think that all it does... It draws more attention to the art and draws more attention to um, to have people look at look for these episodes. I think these. Sorry, go. No, no. Um, I think that's entirely separate from attacking uh, monuments and things along those lines that portray slave traders and uh, recognize people who in the past committed atrocities these aren't they they really have to be seen as completely separate yeah those this is i think that's a separate topic in itself but um uh i was gonna say that i think you should allow people to vote with their wallets and their attention completely you if people find it cringy they're just not gonna watch it and if they don't then I don't think, I mean, we've, we, we've had, we've been having these discussions enough and there's a greater awareness, right? So with that being said, I think people should be, be able to choose themselves whether they want to or, or, or not watch these episodes or these movies. I mean, I don't, and here's the second part. And I think this is the biggest part, just simply removing these things. You, you haven't removed racism. (laughs) It's just, this is the point. It's like, this is the biggest this is the biggest point is like you're not actually uh one can even say you're making the situation even worse well precisely because you're going to have the bigots and you're going to have the people that actually think oh wait this is some sort of attack on them seeing it as a slight as opposed to really what the theoretical cause of it is which is i want to remove this to try and make amends okay but it isn't going to serve the purpose that you're wanting to. Right. You want to improve race relations, improve race relations in a plethora of other different ways. Right. Ones that will actually yeah. improve them. Yeah. 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 I, this, to me, this is just sweeping the issue under the rug. 
And I think it's also complicating things quite a bit. I mean, the other thing is the uh, retiring of a lot of white voices in animations. Um, oh, yeah, I saw that. They've now, they've now changed this. So I'd mentioned to you, Jenny Slate is leaving Big Mouth on Netflix because she was portraying a young black girl and uh, she is, uh, you know, an adult white woman. You've got, you ever see Family Guy? You must have seen Family Guy. Yeah, yeah. So you know the voice of Cleveland is a white guy. <laughs> I didn't know that. So the voice of Cleveland is a white guy. Oh, is it? Holy shit. And he's leaving. <laughs> I thought it was and a black, I thought it was a black dude. He's leaving oh, wow. so that a black actor can play the voice. Oh, wow. Okay. Now I think that makes it more complicated. Now in no way am I I'm saying. I'm mixed on that actually. Well, I'm I'm mixed as well because the thing is, in no way am I saying I don't think black actors should play black roles. They definitely should. It's kind of a, it, it makes sense. But also there is, and you of all people should be more aware of this. It's the idea of an actor playing something that they're not. You have played a blind person mm -hmm. in C. Yeah, you're not blind. Brian Cranston played a paraplegic in a movie. He's not a paraplegic. It's called acting. It's an extension of. Now, what are your thoughts on on that particular one there? The, oh, the voice? I'm just kind of mixed on it because uh, I agree. Well, I, yeah. Because <laughs> it, it's just when it comes to animation, it's so it's a different thing. But you would want that. I mean, I would, like I said, I would want diversity everywhere it's supposed to be, right? So, of course, I want diversity normally because diversity is normal. <laughs> from a practicality thing, it's like, I, I'll just say this. I'll just say this. It, it may not be intellectually fleshed out. I don't know, or I don't think it ever will be, but I would prefer whatever is being, whatever the character's ethnicity is. It would pre I would prefer it being voiced by the person who is that ethnicity. And I would I get prefer, that. but retro. I I just don't know. Going back retro retrospectively, I don't know about that. I just don't know retrospectively about that. I don't think it should be a mandate retrospectively. I think it's a preference. Like just thinking about now, just not really like just realizing the guy who doesn't play who plays Cleveland is not african-american um i think it wasn't it wasn't the way he voiced it was pretty accurate now but does it bother you for example that bart simpson's played by a woman no it doesn't because i'm not a well no it doesn't it, as a guy it's like i wouldn't be offended at all like because the thing that i think Iota, why i mean my problem is when political correctness enters the foray too much. Because I think there should be the opportunity in every area for the best person in the job. So, sorry, for the best person for the job to get it. Now, for example, there was a lot of controversy to do with Idris Elba potentially playing James Bond. I think he'd be a fantastic James Bond. Mm -hmm. I, James Bond, I don't believe, needs to have a particular skin color. He's just meant to be. Yeah, it's meant to be a debonair guy. Yeah, it's 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 a vibe thing, right? And I think Idris Alba just has that vibe. Yeah, like it's just like it's. I mean, Pierce Brosnan, I think, was the best James Bond because I think he was just mm, Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Let's we'll leave that top debate to the next. <laughs> For me, Pierce Brosnan was born to play James Bond, and I think Idris Elba was born to play James Bond. I mean, I think he'd be great. I think he would be fucking. It would be one of the best James Bonds. But, but then you had people come up with a controversy saying, well, no, can't be played by a black guy because, of course, he has to be this particular white guy. Well, no, he doesn't. Like, I don't I, think that's a... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Um, <laughs> I just don't... I don't see it. If it was Winston Churchill, yeah, okay. But... James Bond. I mean, he's played. He's been played by a Scotsman. He's been played by. Uh, he's been played by some English person. Has he been played by somebody who's Irish? Or I don't Welsh? So. 
No, I believe it's just been uh, Brits. It's and just it, Scott. It, right, but it's it's well, a British it's, it's a Brit it's a British thing, right? Yeah, yeah. To me, I see Aegis Alba. I see British, and it's not a skin color thing. British, I think Brit. I think I, to be British now is beyond. You know, it it's it spans a wide spectrum now. If it Completely. was, if he was a Russian character, okay, I get it. <laughs> right, they're a little bit more entrenched in uh, what it is to be Russian. But uh, if we look at the current landscape of things, there's a wide spectrum of being British, right? And mm -hmm. I think Idris Elba fits that, fits it. Couldn't agree more. And fits the character. Most most importantly, I mean, it's just he just screams James Bond. I think that in any role, it is the character that comes first, and I agree with you completely in terms of it matters whether you're portraying a historical figure yeah. or you are portraying a character that doesn't have any particular genealogical roots. Exactly. If it happens to be something like, for example, I'm not going to play um, a black guy in a film. Because you're going, eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> but I could play someone from a number of different countries. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and I think Idris Elba would be great in that. As I say, I think the problem with regards to the voiceover thing is while I completely agree that we should always aim to have this, I also think that there should be the ability to have a woman play a man if it can come off as a man or if it can come off as a boy or whatever. And I think you should be able to have a black guy voice, a white character. And I think they should be able to have these things if they are the best performer for the role. Yeah. I and would... you just, you just said there with regards to the Cleveland show, you said you never knew. Even so he did a good job. Yeah. He did a good job it, because it's just like sometimes when People try to do like an African or a black scent or African American voice. It's just cringe. It's just not well done, and it's, it's mm -hmm. condescend and it comes off condescending, right? I'm very stereo Sorry, Stereo very stereotypical. Stereotypical and condescending. So in regards to Cleveland, I think he nailed it, right? And mm -hmm. it's like it's it's like it's you know it didn't take me out of the character because he nailed right. it. So it's hard to it's hard to. I wouldn't, I'll just say this. I probably wouldn't have asked the guy to step down or something like that. I don't know whether he was asked to, whether he voluntarily did it or not. Or what. Yeah. I know that it was announced that he will be. So I don't know the constraints surrounding that. Right. It's, this is, this he, it's funny. This, it's more, con it's just harder for me to come to any kind of hard conclusion when it comes to an animation because it's so murky yeah i mean i don't know if there is necessarily a hard conclusion that you do or don't come to but more so from my perspective i think in order to it's kind of a hard thing to really work on because the argument that kimberly jones the video i sent you the argument that she had made with regards to the monopoly analogy and starting from a position of trying yeah. to become mm -hmm. on an even playing field I get that argument with regards to the voiceover world and things like that. I do get it. Mm -hmm. Problem is, um, maybe I'm maybe I'm actually completely getting rid of my own argument now that I'm considering. Which that is good. Part. It's evolving. I yeah, evolving in like twenty like, minutes. We're just kind of like I said. This is like me fleshing it out. Yeah, I think I, I think that's actually a, a fair point that I've potentially just contradicted myself on because yeah. the these things like i said these things are just kind of multi-level and it's like it's just you, it's it's hard to know at that moment unless you start talking about it uh like going back to the just to, just briefly to the animation thing in the voiceovers right we have these conventions in film and television that are interesting one of them being example this thing where we people were this thing with the uh, British upper class English accent. Do you notice when films take place in antiquity or certain places, they all there's this convention to use a British accent? Like Yeah, it's the posh upper class. Yeah, it's to use that posh upper class British accent for uh, places that take place in antiquity, like Rome, 
Egypt, for example. It's just it's like it's just been a convention for some reason. Even though it's like when you think about it, it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's because I guess it'll be weird if we were watching something taking place in Rome and they all have Jersey accents or something like that, right? So it's these the conventions that we just kind of um well, it's the idea of the tropes, you know, you expect it to be this, therefore we're used to it and yeah. we'll just go with that. There's no controversy behind it because it's like, well, it's to me, it's like, okay, it's, I'm, uh, I don't have any better solutions. Right. But um, speaking of that, it, it, then it comes into the mind, but then it comes into another controversy of who gets to play who, because for example, one of the things that did bother me, even for me, that bothered me, for example, was um, like, for example, when Christian Bale plays Moses or how Egyptians are sometimes portrayed as white. Right. And it's to me, it's like, why don't they just get Middle Eastern people to play these right. Egyptian people? That's been something I'll, I'll speak on that because I I felt pretty strongly on that. It's like, yeah, why are we having uh, non-Arab or whatever you want, or non-Middle Eastern, non-Arab, non-North Africans playing Egyptians. Right. And I think that the thing with shows like that, um, I completely agree with you on the one hand. On the other hand, I understand why it's done. It's about business. Exactly. And Maybe. I know why they do it. Yeah. like what's It's like, we don't have the bankable name. Yeah. So if we don't have the bankable name, we'll go with the bankable name. It's like, uh, uh, what the guy who... Uh, uh, Tony Ridley Scott said, "Well, because you know we can't bank on Muhammad so and so because he's just not right. name." And I get that, you know, it's a business thing, right? Well, I get it, but to me now, becoming it's just I from as an audience man, and for me, it just takes me out of it. Now, I'll just speak from that. When I see it now, it just takes me out of it, right? Because I know. It, it to me it's like it's a it's just it's just I know I would prefer just to be portrayed by so and so, and also I know from an acting point of view I mean there's a lot of Middle Eastern guys and Arab and Arab or somatic people who need jobs in this industry too and these jobs should be going to them so I look mm -hmm. at it from that point of view where it's like you know. Like, uh, what's his name who played Aladdin, right? And you know how he said, like, after Aladdin, he wasn't even getting any auditions. It was crazy. I didn't see anything on that. Yeah, there was a big, this was a controversy that was happening last year. And Will Smith, had he's chived in on it too. But he after Aladdin, he was complaining that he wasn't even getting auditions. And I think it was just crazy. But I get it because there's just, you know, there's a pecking order when it comes to these things, right? And now I'm actually getting into something that really pisses me off about this industry. And it's like the whole hierarchy, this blatantly racial hierarchy of like who gets what and what who gets portrayed in what. And mm -hmm. at the bottom of that list is like, you know, Asians and Middle Eastern people. So when I see something like uh, the Moses movie, it's like, come on. I mean, that Arabs should be in that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And what was what was the Matt Damon spearheaded one? The Great Wall. Oh yeah, what was? Oh yeah, the one he he goes into China. The one he was in China, ancient. Yeah, China. I, I mean, I didn't see it. I don't know I what the remember there being a lot about it. I think that was another controversy in terms of. I don't know if he was. I don't think he was playing a supposed to be playing a Chinese character. I think it was just. Was it the whole notion of the white savior thing? I think that's what it was. Might have been, or Tom Cruise in The Last Samurai, or yeah. Emma Stone in uh, that Cameron Crowe film, or or uh, Tilda's was it Tilda in um, Doctor Strange? She, oh, was she portraying? I, I mean, I really like that film. I don't know the comic book. Yeah, so, that character was supposed to be Tibetan. Ah. Yeah, a Tibetan man, Tibetan. So. <laughs> They and it was one Two of those, yeah. It was to me. It was like why? I, to me, it just screamed, you know, the term whitewashing it because it's like, right? I don't think I don't think it would have scared anybody off from putting an Asian person into that character. I think the business side of it tends to assume that people are. Well, 
you know what? It might not be the business side of it that assumes it. It might be the people are more racist than I'm conscious of. (laughs) So it might be, it might be the business side of it is absolutely true. They go, well, this isn't going to, yeah. People aren't going to want to see this because people are genuinely more racist than we assume. And, Could and, be my ignorance. I, I, I know. I would agree with you. I think they know that. You know, we know. We know. We know. A large part of the audience is gonna. <sighs> it's so unfortunate, but they know. They know, like a large part of their audience might get turned off, or consciously or unconsciously get turned off by that. I don't understand why. Well, there's just a lot of people that kind of think like that still, right? You know, there's still, there's still, there still needs to be work done on that. I love, like I said, I love watch. I go out of my way to watch foreign films because I need to get that perspective and mm-hmm. other people and that diversity thing. But there's a lot of people who just, you know, they see a film. They, I think most people just don't watch things that are outside of their tribal awareness, right? Right, which is exactly the problem that we always face because we tend to see people not understanding the value of um, things you don't grasp, of things you don't understand, of areas you don't know. If I'm a, like, let's say I'm an Asian filmmaker and I'm making a film that just takes place with Asian characters, I think I know that this is just not going to resonate with most people. It's it's going to, you know, Asi- Asians will watch it because, you know, it's about, it's, it's about, Asian stories and Asian characters and the, that perspective, but uh, and that's probably what a majority of the audience probably would be. I don't, I but it's opening up more and more. But I would say for now, most people, like I said, just stay in their sphere of their tribal sphere. And yeah, I think studio heads and producers know that. Well, and that's the thing. The studio heads and the producers are coming at things from a very succinct perspective, which happens to be we're going to make money and how are we going to make this money? We're not bothered about appeasing. We're not bothered about this. We're not bothered about that. We want to do things which are actually going to end up having us have enough bank afterwards yeah. that we can keep it going and we can get another car. We can this, we can that, we can the third. Which I get the logic. Um, I don't think it's helpful, but I get the logic. I get the logic, and I don't think it's helpful either. Um, one can say that this is also, and I've been saying this for a long time too, that it's um, the audience has to take the burden of this too, because a lot of this stuff is just mirroring your own sentiments. Um, yeah, and I and it is it's a vote with wallet it's uh if films which don't represent you do well and when i say represent you i mean represent your taste and your view on the world if they don't do well um they'll be less made and if films which portray people in certain manners or exclude certain people etc uh do exceptionally then they'll make more of them yeah it's just uh they, they're definitely whatever makes money makes money right that's that's where they're gonna go that's where these people that's what they know right uh but there's still a lot of work in this department still still a lot of work to be done because it's like it's the you still see it and it's like i said i think it's this is a, this is um a symbiotic thing with culture in itself and the sentiments out there you know yeah, I mean, um, the TV show I stood in for earlier this year, their initial hope was to shoot it in a U.S. state. They wanted to shoot it in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to shoot it in Atlanta because they wanted to have a larger group of uh, black crew members. Mm-hmm. Because in Vancouver, the majority of crew are white. Mm-hmm. You have... I'd say less than 1% are white and Asian. Yeah. It's just, it's also because of the demo, just simply the demographics of this, this town. Yeah. There aren't many black people in Vancouver. <laughs> Percentage wise, there are not many. There's not. There's uh, like, I count them all. <laughs> <laughs> the so reason, it's just, the reason why they say hello to everyone is it's like, all right, that's, uh, that's 15. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, I've got a I've got a notebook of keeping score and the names. <laughs> so there's not a whole lot. So that's so in that department, yeah, it's just it's 
you're not gonna get you like you're just not gonna get a whole lot of black people but that was the idea that the show initially wanted to film down in atlanta mm-hmm. was because if they had filmed down in atlanta the show which is very it's very much if not entirely race-based Wait, which um, atlanta is a place also I, i'm gonna i need to go to soon but uh, that's another. yeah thing. i want to go there i want to go there i've got some friends uh from toronto that have been there quite a bit and said how amazing it is yeah um it's on my list high on my list yeah we'll do a trip eventually i mean the thing is is i uh, handle corona first before i go though yeah i i don't think we'll be going before next year (laughs) i don't think so um but i mean no atlanta is one of those places where there's been so much stem from it in terms of art that i'm a big fan of i'd love to go down there basically the idea was with with wokes they wanted to have more of a black crew to allow people the representation in all fields within the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that sentiment, huh? man. Um, I just think it's there, there's this habit, there's this, just this habit thing where it's like, you know, we get diversity and then all of a sudden we, it creeps back to the lack of diversity. What do you mean? Like I've seen, I've seen this oscillating pattern where you get an explosion of diversity, especially ethnic diversity. But then as things just start to start to creep slowly back into old habits, right? Where there's lack, there's less and less diversity, right? And because I just remember, like early '90s, like mid early to mid '90s, there were so many. I'll just say from a black experience, there were so many. Uh, black shows and like remember Living Color, The Fresh Prince, A Different World, the, the Cosby Show. There was just so much going on there, right? There was just so much. There was so much, and then the movies that were coming out. But then slowly, but but then slowly after that, you know, from the from the mid from the mid nineties to even up until recently, all it just kind of crunched. Mm-hmm. I felt, you know, all of that crunched back yeah i mean i can definitely say that um in terms of in terms of film and television but what were the big films well yeah no there there were a fair few and you you had like and you had films like i mean this is when like will smith came out of like blew up and eddie it was really when eddie murphy was at his peak wasn't it yeah it was like actually sorry it was like when it started with Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, and then it just there was just wave, and then all of a sudden there was just like all these like you know African American shows that are, and that, like I said, Living Color, Arsenio, all like no, I meant in terms of films, films and films. Um, then there was like that wave of like I call it the hood movies, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> Boys in the Hood, New Jack City, Juice, Menace to the Society Menace above the Rim, Society above the Rim, all of that stuff, right? Uh, so on and so on so there was like that wave right mm-hmm. and then spike lee and what he was doing so that there was that wave i remember that and it just bled into so many things and there was like you know just saw all that and then it kind of tap just you know tapered off mm-hmm. i mean obviously you do see diversity here you still see the diversity there but i just remember there was that explosion and of like you know black voices prominently in film right there was and i think recently there's been a another resurgence of it like uh, jordan peele for example has been on the forefront of that and then there's been some shows that have been coming out now like atlanta for example Mm -hmm. with that kind of thing and so i think there's been that there's yeah maybe there's been that recent explosion again but i just remember it felt like there was a period where that tapered off significantly yeah i can see that um i think though hopefully an hour at a time when that's transitioning because i think that the generations that now exist and the generations that now pay attention want a range of stories yeah um, they want to be the fly on the wall in a black family. They want to be the fly on the wall in an Asian family. They want yeah. to be the fly on the wall in a white family. You want to be the fly 
on a wall. You want to learn the story, hopefully, or theoretically, about other places and countries and cultures. Yeah, and I can see that. And I see that more and more, right? Because and this is what, I, this is what these studio heads need to understand, is that there's a lot of people, lots and lots of people in the audience now who want to see, like you said, that be that fly on the wall. I think it's probably one of the reasons why Black Panther was so successful. I was surprised. Oh, I knew that was going to be huge. I knew it was going to be big, but it was just kind of like, you know, just seeing, you know, being there in the theaters and seeing the people line up for it. And it was just like, you know, it was just interesting. It was like all these people who were interested in that story. Mm -hmm. And I, I think these studio heads need to understand that a lot of people now want to be a fly in the wall to these kinds of perspectives, to different kinds of perspectives. I know I've always had that hunger. I think it's just now becoming, there's been a cultural shift and there's more and more of that hunger. Well, I think the important part going on from that, so reverting back to what we were saying is the way you service that is to create more um, titles and properties to do with those stories. You don't solve it or improve it by eradicating old art fiction. You don't change things retroactively as well as you do progressively and going forwards. And no one goes, oh, well, let's get rid of that book. Write a new fucking book. Let's do the new books. Let's, yeah. I agree with that. Going back to things retrospectively, I don't think it's a good idea. I think people should just be able to vote with their attention and wallet. If yeah. they don't like it, they don't like it. Just, I mean, keep it there. But the only time I can say it's worth taking down if it was something truly hateful. Yeah, no, definitely. But even that, even if it is truly hateful, has a place of critique. True. Even like, though, like, so that's the only time I'll even entertain it. If it yeah. was like pure hatred, inciting violence. and. Big I hatred. agree. I agree. I agree. I would entertain it, yeah. But. If it's not that, then it's like I just to keep it there and just let people decide for themselves of whether they want to watch it or not. It's a subjective thing at that point. It's and it's the, enlight- it's the enlightenment of understanding what people did wrong, what people thought wrong, how people behave badly that gets you to move to a better point, hopefully. It's learning from other people's mistakes or missteps. True. And all this stuff is, listen, like... <laughs> Even what we're doing now in 20, 40 years, we can look back and we're, we're going to find lots of things to cringe at. We're, we're Not you and I. We're, we're doing everything perfectly. <laughs> I mean, come on. This will be flawless. Minus us. This is be Yeah. It will stand the test of time. And- Majority of other people, uh, not so much. <laughs> Put it out there. This, this will be, everything we do will be, will stand the test of time and it will never, ever offend anybody in the future. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll probably offend quite a few people. <laughs> Speaking of one, offending one other people. <laughs> Pardon? One or two. Yeah, one or two. Non-discerning listeners mm. or viewers. So, speaking of which, um, or not speaking of which, I love how polished we sometimes come off as. Like, we'll introduce a segment or we'll introduce a particular topic with such a smooth introduction speaking of which and then it's like oh no this is not related so why did i begin with that broken english podcast think about the uh, first word in <laughs> in the company name <laughs> um let's get on to movies and the situation of the lays and the rest of it So last year, I don't remember whether we had mentioned it on the podcast or not, but you were really excited about the um, Robert Pattinson, uh, I've forgotten his name, but Denzel Washington's son. Is it, was was Denzel Washington's son's name? I can't remember what's his name. Denzel Washington's son, both starring. (laughs) Denzel Jr. (laughs) There we go. Um, Starring (laughs) in the new Christopher Nolan film, Tenet. And Bola was all crazy about the trailer and hyped about it. And that was actually meant to be coming out almost immediately. Well, it's now been delayed until the middle of August, I believe. 
Um, but it is still coming out despite what's going on in the world. So I guess their idea is it's not going to, it's going to still be able to put enough bums on seats and the cinemas are still going to be able to plod through the current landscape. What are your thoughts on the fact that they are going ahead with trying to put this out and not just going the way that so many other films have gone as of late, which is the video on demand route, the get it yourself because it's safer to do. Um, kudos to them for trying to get it out. I think maybe they should have delayed it a little bit more. Do you think it is kudos to them? Kudos to them for trying to get it out, but I think it's a little bit too early. I mm-hmm. think you could save some time because when is the James Bond uh, one gonna James Bond gonna come out now? It's been delayed till next year. I think it might have been a better idea to do that. And it's the same thing with Mulan. Mulan is coming out apparently the week after Tenet. Mm. Yeah, I just don't know because it's. I don't. I don't know. I don't feel like this. This op- releasing these films at this time will serve them well because. There's like a resurgence of the virus. I don't know how many of these theaters will be open. They'll be they'll be definitely half capacity. So from a financial point of view, I don't know if it's a great idea. And then, well, I'll just say that from a financial point of view, I don't know if it's a great idea. I think from a public health perspective, it's a stupid idea. <laughs> I mean, look, I'd love to see it. Yeah. I think many many people would love to see it. I think. Um, I think it's going to be great. I think if they delayed it for like another year, I don't think it's going to diminish it. Precisely. It used to be the norm. It used to be the norm that you'd watch the trailer for the film coming out next year. Yeah. Remember in like the 90s, it'd be all oh, coming soon. And coming soon meant 12 to 14 months from now. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I agree. I, I don't think holding it off for so sometime next year, I don't think it would hurt them. It's not gonna. It's not gonna age. It's not gonna degrade or anything like that. I don't think people are gonna lose their awareness of it. The buzz is not just gonna evaporate on yeah. a fucking Christopher Nolan film yeah. with a big budget and the star of bloody Twilight. <laughs> I don't think the buzz is gonna. I don't think it, the buzz will fade. I think people will understand, and I think the buzz will just be there. It just keep. You can keep it going. You can even reignite the buzz too. And I think the same thing with Mulan. Um, that already has its established Disney audience. It already has its little bit of controversy to do with um, independent Hong Kong and uh, the lead in the film voicing her opinion on Twitter. What Again, she, what she, she voiced her opinion on... Uh... I forget exactly what she said, whether it was... I think I forget whether it was pro-China or pro-Hong Kong, but she made a comment on Twitter about it, which I know became a very controversial tweet. Right. Um, but the point being is bringing these films out is not smart. I think the idea that many studios had with regards to Trolls World, with regards to King of Staten Island and The Invisible Man and all these other things, putting it on demand allowed people to still purchase, participate, remain safe. They made a lot of money with it. You have to decide what do you want? Do you want the big theatrical release or do you want people safe? And you have to factor in when is the right time for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's from a public, from a public health point of view. I don't think it's a great idea, especially down there because it seems like there's going to be another, there seems like potentially there's going to be another resurgence of this thing. Could be yeah. even a shutdown. It could, I hear rumblings of certain states kind of pushing back on their uh, reopening of things, right? Yeah. Well, I've heard that some states are going to re-shut down. Yeah. Like I think Texas allowed bars to be open and they're closing bars. Yeah. Bear in mind that this podcast was recorded on a certain date. So, you might have antiquated news here, but still, you're listening to a podcast. You could be listening to this ten years from now. <laughs> Either way, I still think the alien invasion is happening. So 
that will yeah, yeah. that will stay make sure of time. i remember face marks are basically a 5g tracking system you gotta believe all these uh really smart conspiracies. The 5, they use the 5g as the homing signal to get here from <laughs> from their whole world I, I just i love how amazingly what a stretch you know that fabric on your face and then i've heard um arguments made of I, who is it that told this joke I'm trying to think there was a really well-told joke that I saw. I forget whether it was, it was, again, it was John Stewart being interviewed by Trevor Noah. John Stewart, I miss that, man. Um, excellent pundit. But he said this with regards to face masks. He said people that are trying to shame people or embarrass people who are wearing face masks, etc. Here's what I want you to do. Next time you have an operation or something like that and your doctor comes in wearing a face mask, Tell him, don't be such a pussy. Take the mask off. Tell him off for rubbing his hat, sorry, for washing his hands. And go, just have at it. That gaping wound in me, do what you want. I, you don't need like, Come on. Come on. <laughs> when did face masks become politicized? Um. Well, during this time period. It's amazing. In the past two months, I think it's partly due to the very, very smart and well- uh, learned president talking about sorry refusing to wear them publicly in photos okay i can't wait for breathing to become a political uh you know what i mean i can't i can't wait for sectarian violence on when it comes to breathing and uh it's just amazing and the partisan uh, debates on whether to eat or not eat just <laughs> it could not be less intelligent i i i, I I, I'm not disagreeing on. I, I I can see you taking a position on the mask based on the health merits and the practicalities of it. I just don't. Rem, I just. I don't know. It seems to be a uniquely American. I don't know if it's an American thing, but how that became a left and right thing is beyond me. I mean, look. What does it matter if you're wearing a mask it's, in public at a point whereby you could make people? Deathly ill. Exactly. Whether the whether it helps, I don't know. I just know it doesn't hurt. So who cares? Right? If it's if it if it's not gonna hurt, then why is why why is it such a hot topic? People are just so because entrenched, people are people. In, entrenched in it. And and there's just that and I understand the sentiment, right? Like people feel like some of these things, when the government starts to force these things, it starts to become an overreach. And you have to be careful of that because this is where the, it's it's the slow descent into tyranny. I get it. It's cryptic. It happens cryptically, right? But a lot of this stuff, people just take the position and it's, it's just based on ideological reasons. Mm. Sometimes don't, well, just a lot of times, it's just, most of the time, those don't make any sense. I don't wear the mask because, as of now, because I've calculated things and practicalities and I've just decided for my own self, I don't really think it's necessary. But when I see somebody wearing it, especially at a restaurant, like a waiter, for example, like if, if you notice, especially around here, if you go dine in, a lot of the wait staff, if not most of them, are all wearing face masks makes it harder to I hear. do wear a mask I do wear a mask more often than not um based on the idea that I do interact with mom and my dad who both have underlying health conditions and I don't want to put them at risk um I get it and I, and I think until you have a position whereby we have either a vaccine and or just such phenomenally low numbers that it isn't seen as a threat i don't see the the problem with it i am astounded by those that do i do think in a situation like a crowded movie theater mm -hmm. it is a stupid position to have <clears throat> because i don't know how they're going to be doing the viewings are they doing the viewings that people are going to have to be wearing masks it's optional I know here, so, I know for Cineplex here, it's optional. To me, that's ludicrous. Oh, is Cineplex already open? They're opening in the next few days, I believe. Okay, because to me, that's ridiculous. <laughs> We're going to be sitting in a room 
<laughs> I'm going to be sitting in a room with, even if they reduce the capacity of each auditorium, I'm going to be sitting in a room with potentially a hundred other strangers. Yeah. I don't know where they've been. I don't know who they interact with, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a fucking pandemic going on right now. That's the thing. And, so and, and it, it's a pandemic right now. And we don't know conclusively. We don't know. There's a lot of unknowns about this. And especially right. in terms of how this thing actually spreads. Right. Right. But I mean, the notion that you would wash your hands and be cautious is not really anything that I could think people would go, oh, I don't know if I think uh, yeah, makes that makes sense. When that became a part of, when uh, the Civil War started because of that, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't know what to say. Do you see yourself going to theaters? I, I do, if I really want to see it. Maybe I'll be a little bit more strategic about it. I think I'll just probably go into it knowing that probably if I go at certain times, I'll probably be the one of few, one of the very few people there. But can you really bank on that variable right now? Because surely you would imagine that other people would have the same mindset. Oh, I'll go for the matinee. Oh, <sighs> he thought that, and she thought that, and she thought that. Uh, well. <laughs> Like I said, I'm calculating things here. You have to remember, like, in all of this province, we've only had, like, 2,000 cases or something like that. 2,000-something cases. It's very low out here. So it gives me a little bit more wiggle, wiggle room to be in these kinds of places. I haven't come to... I haven't really come to a conclusion. I'm just going to have to make a decision on it. I just don't know. As I say, if Tenet comes out on video on demand... I'll buy it. I just rather, I'll rent it. I'd, I'd rather watch it in the theaters. I would rather, but you know, at the moment the theaters aren't worth the risk. Because I'll just say this: I mean, I've been, I've been during this time, especially recently, I've been in places, lots of crowded places, and you know, doing the distancing thing and making sure I'm sad, sad being mindful of what I'm touching and sanitizing myself and hands and everything like that. I'm just thinking what now with that being said, would that be any more of a threat if I'm in a theater? I would say yes. I guess so, but how exponentially how much? I don't know. I don't know. Well, look at it this way. If you're distancing yourself from a crowd, you're not lingering. Mm -hmm. You're not lingering close to someone. You're not being around them properly for any length of time. You're in a crowd or whatever, and you're moving through. If it's a two-hour film, that means you're in a room for two hours with 200 people breathing. If they're asymptomatic, you're in that same enclosed space for two hours. I would be. I would. I would definitely be. If I was in New York, if I was in New Manhattan or something, I would be definitely 100% on that side. I'm not going. Just knowing where I am right now and what's going on in this province and in this city, my, my opinion changes on that. It's like I'm half, half, in, I'm in the middle, being based on the local variables. Right. That's where I stand. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you can be in the... <laughs> so say that. So what I predict in the so what I predict in the U.S. would be everybody in the theater will be broken up into those those wearing a face mask and those wearing a MAGA hat. <laughs> It'll just be a sea of face mask and MAGA hats. <laughs> yeah. It'll, it'll it's yeah. it's it's that it's that in the, it's that uh, <laughs> it's that uh, divided there. You know. Since this is a whole partisan thing here. My God. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap up this week. So Bowler says, go to the theater and be careful. I say, wait for now. <laughs> Do you have any more to add? I don't have anything more to add. It's, um, no, it's just like, I think we've, it was interesting that we, we looked, we started like, diving into that whole racial uh, controversy right now when it comes to films and television because it was an exercise of kind of like figuring out how you feel about these things. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'm glad that 
there we there was a civilized debate about it. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that that's just been one of the things that I've just been so cringy watching a lot of this stuff because it's just a lot of impassioned people entrenched in their talking points and not really right. exploring the topic. But we do a good job. I think we did a great job. I think we were a shining example of how to handle this topic. And if you don't like the Broken English podcast, you're racist. Freaking MAGA hat wearing. Did you hear the Romna Jules little skit on that? <laughs> no. Um, there's this woman, she goes, yeah, and they, I think, I can't remember exactly, so I'm going to butcher the parody, but it's like, one of them's white and one of them's black, so if you don't like them, you're automatically racist. <laughs> I don't think I've heard that one, but it, no, actually, it kind of does sound familiar. It's on RTJ four. Oh yeah, that's that's where I heard it. Yeah, that's where I heard it because I was yeah okay. After listening, so in the broken English setup, you're LP and I'm Killer Mike. Okay, we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to discuss that over the. I'm on about in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I tried to end this on a good note, but unfortunately, I just failed. So <laughs> you did. You did. You did. We, you did. At least we didn't. We were ninety percent of it. We. I think we. We. <laughs> we got There's it right. Still time to ruin it more. <laughs> and on that note, folks, thanks for listening. I think this has been another interesting podcast, and um, stay tuned for more. And uh, yeah, and until then, stay safe and. Peace out.